0: You are now listening to the Here for the Truth podcast, hosted by Joel Rafidi and Yerasimos. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Here for the Truth podcast. I'm Joel Rafidi. I've got my co-host Yerasimos in the house. As always, this is episode 108 and we have Ayla Cuenca returning. She first joined us back in episode 22 with my wife, Alyssa Rafiti, in fact where we talked about the medicalization of birth and the importance of home births. But today we're looking at the psychology of birth. And this is a very important conversation around trauma, around infertility, um, around uh, conscious conception, and a lot more, which I think you guys will get a lot of value out of. Right before we get into that, um, our private membership community, Friends of the Truth. To learn more about that, you can head to friendsofthetruth.co to connect with us and to connect with other amazing individuals all, su- all supporting each other through um, what's an incredible community. You get three live calls a month. You get to get personal with some of our podcaster guests. And it's just a really awesome space. Um, so, friends of the truth.co, if you want to get deeper, rise above the herd round five will be opening shortly um, for those interested. And we'll be making an announcement on that later. Guys, much love. Enjoy this episode. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Here for the Truth podcast. This is episode 108 with the amazing Ayla Cuenca returning. She's a birth doula and birth educator, and she has been red-pilling human beings all around the planet on the truth around birth um, for a very long time. She last joined us in episode 22. Um, you can go check that one out for a deep dive or, in- or an introduction into this subject. Ayla, it's a pleasure to have you
1: back. Thanks for being here.
2: Yeah, I'm so glad to be here with you guys.
1: Yeah, what's 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 new in your world?
2: What is new in my world? Um, well, I'm in the midst of a doula training. So I have a really wonderful cohort of 10 women. And that's been a fun ride. We, start, we started off the year 2023 um, with this training and this mentorship. And it is amazing to see all of these women come together from all over the world. Yeah. And like with this common thread, you know of wanting to, like, uncover this process, you know, so of birth and, sure. and this transition, you know?
0: Yeah. So on the on the previous episode, we focused pretty heavily on the medicalization of birth. But I want to kick this one off on, like, preparing for birth because, yeah. like, most people just enter this process already pregnant. But when we really consider this with, with intention and how much factors into the health of a baby even pre-birth, um hmm. yeah. How, how do we start that conversation?
2: Well, um yeah, I'd say that there's just like this generic focus on nutrition and perhaps like a, a basic list, basic framework of the, you know, the boxes to check, right? Like yeah. finding a good provider and you know, maybe taking a class and you know, creating a birth plan. Like those are all kind of like the basics that that we use to guide us. Um but I'd like to take it back a lot further, you know, if we have the opportunity to consciously conceive, you know, there's a whole world there for the man and the woman to explore, you know, there is an opportunity to um, do the self-inquiry, you know, each of them individually, and then also, you know, coming together as, as a partnership, like what is the self-inquiry we're going to do together? So there's like these three things happening at once, you know, when you're consciously conceiving, or you you know, you can walk that route. And a lot of that looks like um, addressing your own birth. And I, you know, I do talk about this a lot because, um, we go into this space of pregnancy and birth with a lot of limiting beliefs and the way that we kind of suppress them or like, you know, cope with them is by busying ourselves with like, you know, the, the baby shower, the, you know, the epidural, like all the things that kind of keep us like up here and in high control, you know, deep control over the situation. But when we go into surrender that's when we can start to access like what's under here. What are the limiting beliefs? Like, you know, what am I feeling? What am I sensing? And, and so I like to invite couples to just go into that space of of self inquiry, you know, if they can, if they have that, that capacity before they conceive, you know, if it's not planned then they're in the pregnancy and like, they can do that as well. So I've been doing a lot, since I talked to you guys last, I've been doing a lot of birth trauma processing Mm -hmm. with, with women and men. Um, And just going back to their own experience and kind of like reevaluating, you know, what they used to believe as like truth, right. Or like, you know, the story they got and they start to look at their patterning. And I say, this is an opportunity for a pattern disruptor. This is an opportunity for us to like, you know, maybe what you experienced or what you thought you experienced didn't really happen. And how can we change that? And as people start uncovering their arc since their own birth they feel much more prepared for this experience to do it on their own and they forget about all of like what i call the busyness of like the prenatals and the classes and the you know they they yeah. they go deeper into what's actually holding them back from surrendering to this so
0: what, what are some of those key stories or limiting beliefs
2: <sighs> limiting beliefs right so one of the big ones i've been working with the last six months are with men you know, like I'm not going, they don't have the framework for fatherhood. They feel like they don't know how to enter the space, um, of being a father. And they're kind of like, well, I'm just a spectator and whatever my partner needs, whatever my wife needs, like, I'm just going to support her in it, you know? So there's a limiting belief, perhaps like a, maybe a father wound there of, you know, not having the template and Mm -hmm. then not having the confidence to then give that you know, and not believing that they can do it. And so when we go back to their birth and we go back to the adolescence, we just look at like kind of the lapse in where they felt that that framework wasn't being shown to them, you know, and some of them did have absentee fathers, right? And so they grew up with a lot of women showing them how to move through the world. And so they say, oh no, but I had a really, you know, enriched upbringing and I was really safe and I had a lot of love. And I'm like, yeah, but there is this masculine template that is not there. And so how can we build that now? First, we acknowledge that it wasn't there. And now like through building community, through brotherhood, through healthy male relationships, through finding a mentor, through understanding hierarchy, right, and masculinity and like where to seek support and not seeking support from your partner. She's not your mommy. She's your wife. Like, and so just kind of giving everyone roles um, really helps them build the confidence to show up as a father, you know, in this process yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> so like what is in, in your opinion I mean obviously I'm a father of two daughters myself I found myself you know quite uncertain in the in the earlier years you know like obviously there's a it's interesting because when when the baby is born, particularly with the firstborn, like that's you, you you're no longer your wife's priority and I think that's what a lot of men deal with and they, they grapple with. And they, you, know, you go into thinking you're going to be doing everything together, all the same things together, you're going to have the same relationship, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But in my experience, that's simply not the case. And what takes place is the man and the woman from that point have to go through an individuation process because okay. they're deeply bonded up until then. And then like the, the third entity being the baby enters the picture. And there's a, there's a new dynamic that's born. So like, what is the ideal role of the father in those newborn years, in your opinion?
2: Yeah, I just want to interject there. It's so important what you said. Like you mentioned third body or you know, third presence, right? As the baby, yeah. but really like there was a third presence before Correct. the baby, which was like the arrows, right? The what the the man and the woman came together to create, which is this third body. And yeah. so there has to be sort of a what I call like a grief processing of that. Transforming, so that's kind of closing, and it's going to be reborn as something else. There's going to be another version of that. So there has to be an acknowledgement that that's closing, and a lot of people don't do that. They're like, "Wait, mm. I want you back." You know, I want I want to get that back, and there is no getting that back. There's only an opportunity for something even deeper and different, right? Yeah. So there's that component that journey to be taken together, and so, you know, when. I mean, we could go into the more like anthropological and biological, like uh role playing that happens, you know, with a new father and a new mother, but I'll kind of stick to this for now. And then we can go into that, um, the individuation process that you're talking about, you know, when, when there's this kind of resentment that can start to build when that individuation doesn't happen, it's because there was an imbalance to begin with mm-hmm. often right in the roles and there were not defined roles. And there, like I mentioned before, there was kind of this codependency that can, that, that exists, you know, with many couples and maybe there was a role the woman was filling that kind of feels like that need for the mommy, right. For example, or like, the woman you know she might have that like dark mother archetype that feels like she has to control the man and of course correct him all the time in order for her to feel safe right and so when all of that starts to kind of fall apart and then you have this baby it's like oh i you know like that dark mother energy i was putting on him now i have to figure out how to like you know heal that transfer that do something so that now i'm available for my child and then like they see that the 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 glue that was kind of holding them together was just like a bunch of projection and a bunch of like wounding, right? Of course there can be love there, but this is an opportunity to say like, okay, let me reassess like where my needs are being met and how and why, you know? And, you know, if if I truly love someone there, I know that they're on their own path. And so there is this kind of like assessment that has to happen of like I love you and I hold on loosely and we come together when we can right and we create a plan for how to do this but like I'm not here to control you and you're not here to control me and like we have to figure out what our roles are and so some people can can access that you know if they really consciously move into it and some people you know end up separating divorcing like childbirth really brings that out it really causes one it's like it's like a hall of mirrors you know (laughs) and so um and so yeah this is a great opportunity in the pregnancy to to step into that because once the child is there as you know joel like it it moves fast and it's like intense and it's like all the time (laughs) you know so um i would say that you know the father when he can really figure out what brings him joy and he can really tap into his purpose and he can really see his essential role as provider and leader of the family. Like, and the woman can really allow him to be there and thrive in that space and give him meaning and value in that space. It starts to really balance uh, the scales and everyone starts to feel really settled and surrendered and their nervous system can, you know, like drop in and things unfold naturally. Um, but when there's a compensation and there's a confusion about the roles, that's when you know it's tricky. So we start to confuse that in the labor process and in the pregnancy process. And you know, women are making plans like, oh, I'm going back to work after four weeks. And then the man's like, I'll stay home with the baby. And then, you know, there's a lot that starts to happen that really energetically confuses the family.
0: Yeah. You know. Yeah, for sure. And I'm unlike I've noticed there's resentment that builds on the on the woman's side as well. Like, you know, oh, you get to go to work, you get to have time by yourself you know,
2: that
0: that kind of thing as well. And so what's, what's the resistance on, 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 on the mother's side on, on, on that end?
2: Well, I think in the individuation process that you mentioned that both people are going through, like, I often find that the woman hasn't found her worth, right. As an individual, she hasn't really embodied her worthiness and we all have worthiness, right. But she hasn't embodied it. So for her, to feel valuable and worthy, she has to also be participating the way, in society the way that she was before, right? It's like having the job, showing up, um, contributing financially, um, you know, climbing that ladder, so to speak. And so she'll she'll say, well, like, now I'm home with the baby. And like, is this as valuable? Mm. You know, uh, is this as valuable? Like, he's out making the money, he has the freedom. And so she views this process sometimes as like an incarceration or a restriction, Um and that's really like when women have not, you know, and it's hard because society doesn't really value the role of motherhood as like a top yeah. professional role to fill, you know?
1: When did that, like the shift happened, you know, because I feel like we're coming back to that now, as you see people maybe wanting to go to more traditional ways of being, but when did the, like the role of motherhood lose its... I don't know, importance, you know, where it was like, oh, you're, oh, that you're just that you're just a mother, you know what I mean? And and we've, we've moved to this place where it was like focusing and I'm not saying women shouldn't go after what they want in their work and their careers, but it's just like what you said, it's just like, it's not important. We don't place this importance and value on, 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 on who is ultimately nurturing the future.
2: Right. Yeah, I mean, there's the entire, like, feminism psyop that has been, like, slowly weaving itself into our society for many decades, you know, and I'm not exactly sure at this point, like, where the origin of that, you know, stems mm-hmm. from. Um, however, I would say, really, like, when we started shifting away from tribal life is is when that became a thing. You know, I think organically that's when it became a thing because women now moved into cities where in order to be in the city, um, there was a cost, right? There was a price to pay to be there. And there was a currency that everyone had to have, you know, like the dollar, right? Like, let's just say, you know, in our country, like they had to participate in society in a certain way, which did not allow them to commune and it did not allow them to play this the role that they were playing before in a tribe, right? Because like in a tribe, all the women come together. They breastfeed each other's children. I'm really generalizing here, like cross-culturally, this is what it could look like, you know, uh, in a tribe of 60 people. Like all the women would breastfeed each other's children. They would all birth together. They would all care for the children. So you could step away for a time and you would know that your child is being cared for as if it was the child of those women, right? With the same love, attention and intention that we all need to do this we all need to come together so that this tribe survives right and so the men had their role and the women had their role and so and we live together right and so then when we move into these cities we're living in these little pods the women don't have the same support they don't know who to trust you know everyone is kind of like under review you don't know if that person has your same value system so you wouldn't leave your kid there and you're not hanging out with them and it's like that's how we started to splinter um And women like, you know, women say like, you know, yeah, I like I work with a lot of women who've been divorced, you know, and they're single moms now. And um, they say, you know, it's not about the money. If I got more money, it wouldn't make any difference. What I need is the community, you know, like I don't need more dollar bills. I need like the the woman living next door to me and then the woman on the other side that like can come and, and like see me and support me and reflect back to me and like hold my children too, you know? And so... I would say that, um, yeah, it, it's been happening slowly over time as we've moved out of this tribal model and, um, you know, and then more kind of like violently and intensely in the last 200 years, you know, where women were made to believe that their worth was financial contribution and their worth had a lot to do with being equal to men, right? And, um, yeah. you know, we're not the same. Right, like I'm sure you guys have talked about this with many guests you've had. It's like we're just not the same, and we got confused about that.
0: Hmm. I mean the re- the reality is, if is if anyone's looking to society to reflect their value back to them, it's a very unstable and shaky foundation to begin with. Like man or woman, you know.
2: Of course, and I so see it's like
0: all yeah, time. like the 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 truth is, there's it's the most valuable role. It's the most worthwhile role. It's the most important role. So it's like how how you know, how, how, how do we reclaim that without having to need that mirrored back to us by a society that's obviously inherently unwell?
2: Of course. And and one of the things that continues to perpetuate that cycle of like women even rejecting birth, but then feeling this biological instinct to 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 do it, right? But they reject it on this like psycho level. Um a lot of that has to do with trauma from their own birth, right? Like I've, you know, a lot of women say like, I don't want to have a child. The thought of it is like repulsive to me. It's uncomfortable. It makes me sick. Like it makes my body hurt. And it's like, well, let's look at your own birth experience. And how did your mother talk about birth? So now all these traumatic births are influencing a woman's desire to even participate in that model. Um, You know, so that's like kind of coming from every angle, of course, you know, like.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So how how important is the environment in which a baby is conceived, and and as well as like the mother's, you know, psycho emotional well being at the time of conception?
2: It's oh so important, <laughs> so important. You know, like I would say, like yeah, sure, conscious intention is really wonderful, you know, but I believe that like there's contracts already in place, and we're already. Calling in these souls at the right time that they're supposed to come in. So, you know, yeah. of course, there's like, let's conceive tonight, you know. And then there's also like, oops, like it happened, right? And either one is totally perfect and the way that it's supposed to be. However, many women have not yet addressed a lot that's going on within them, within their relationship. There isn't radical honesty about the partner that they're worth with. There isn't radical honesty about their own relationship to themselves, you know. And so Um, I would say that a lot of these pregnancy complications and you You might know a little bit about this in your studies with German new medicine and and your exploration of that. But um, I just started this course on pregnancy complications through the scope of German new medicine. And Mm. so, I mean, I'm like, I'm, I'm grasping like I've been going slowly through it, you know, and I'm like, okay, I think I comprehend 30%. It's just so intricate and dense and incredible. Um, But So many of these pregnancy complications come from a woman actually rejecting this role of motherhood and feeling this, like what we could call a separation conflict uh, within her own pregnancy, you know, wanting the space, actually feeling now invaded, feeling now that like, you know, she's being taken over, she's being hijacked. And that comes from something way before the pregnancy. It's not the pregnancy itself, you know? And so, when a child is growing in a womb where the mother is feeling this on a sub subterranean, you know, terranean level, perhaps, um, there's a sense of rejection that that fetus feels, grows up feeling, you know, it develops feeling that's, it's nourishment. It's like, I'm here, but I'm not really wanted. I'm here, but maybe I was a mistake. I'm here, but mommy, you know, isn't available to me energetically. Right. Like we're such intelligent beings. And, um, You know, on the outside, maybe the mother's doing all the things, you know, but on the inside, there's like this dread almost of like, my worthiness as a mother, like, I don't have time to myself, my body's being taken over, like, this doesn't feel good. And, you know, that's something that really influences the child. And then we see it develop into some severe pregnancy complication. And it's like, well, I was eating all the things I eat organic, like, I don't do that. I do this and I'm eating protein and I'm doing my yoga. And so I don't understand why now suddenly like I'm having issues with my adrenal glands or like, you know, I have preeclampsia or, you know, things like that. Um, Like mystery, you know, complications, right? So I would say the psycho-emotional environment of the mother is like paramount, you know, if not the most important thing.
1: Yeah. I I mean, I would have to agree with you there just in general. And we've talked about this before so many times on this show and and, in different areas. But like you can't leave consciousness at the door. You know, it's like, oh, I ticked off the boxes. I eat the right foods and I didn't get I didn't go through these medical procedures. I didn't do this, that, the other. And yet what is going on? you know, in your psyche, you know, how is that, how is that impacting you? How is it impacting this, this being that's growing during that ninth, nine year period? And I I may have even brought this up before, but I remember when I was at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, like 15 years ago, it was was like a nutrition program, but we were getting into some esoteric subjects and somehow the conversation turned to the psychological state of a mother and, uh, and how it impacts the child. And this one woman got up Um, in the, in the classroom was like, you know, a thousand people in this large hall that were teaching the classes. And she's like, you know, my entire life, I felt like I didn't belong. I, I grappled with suicide, all these different things. And then one day I was talking to my aunt and my aunt told me that my mother wanted to abort me during the whole pregnancy. You know what I mean? So it's like, that level of intention and, and the psychology behind it and how it influences the child. And you bring up Germany medicine and yeah, there's so many factors that could be going on, um, while the baby's in the womb, you know, right. even, even things that have to do with large sounds or some of the medical procedures and how they impact the child. And, 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 and of course, what, what's, what conflicts are going on with the mother and how that imp- impacts the child as well. And so, you know, I think even in the alternative world, we want to like blame vaccines for every single thing that goes wrong or or blame like a certain, you know, lack of a a nutrient. And yet we don't highlight this very, very important thing on how we're the perception of our environment. First, obviously the mother, but then this child is in an environment within the mother during this period and navigating life, you know, and so there's so many factors.
2: Oh yeah. And, and no, that's really brilliant what you said, you know, and apart from like her psychoemotional terrain, you know, whatever she's experienced in her life, we look at the bigger picture of the environment she lives in and how that's impacting her every day. And I'm not talking about like chemtrails and EMFs. I'm talking about like a case study I just looked at where, um, you know, uh, a war, you know, war, a woman in a war-torn country in Yemen, right? So there's drought, uh, famine. And starvation, right? And so she developed a starvation conflict, which affects the liver and the gut and developed hepatitis B, you know, and then passed it, you know, passed it to her baby, right? And so for those of you not really familiar, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you want to go into your most, how these things happen in Germany. Any anyone
1: who's well, yeah, and I'm not an expert by any means. We've had Melissa on three times on this show and we, we touch upon it in other <laughs> things, but I mean, you know, if anyone wants to if you want to share anything then share it they can go to previous episodes they can look it yeah, up yeah i guess
2: we could just reference them there but um the point is that this mystery disease appeared right and it was like i've never had contact with someone who has that virus i have never you know what i mean and it was something that developed in the pregnancy because the whole time she was pregnant she was wondering if there was going to be food you know because there was one day but there wasn't the next day would there be water you know and yeah. this is this becomes a starvation conflict of like, okay, let's overeat one day because we don't know. And also like the adrenaline and the cortisol that is constantly like spiking and dropping in these situations affects the baby, right? So we see babies even born with adrenal fatigue when the mother is in fight or flight throughout her pregnancy, Um, you know, so on a hormonal level, a psychospiritual level. And then if we look at these um, really cool experiments, I've just been looking at that Veda Austin did I don't know if you guys are familiar. I think you are, but yeah, I've heard. Um, I've heard yeah. So it's just like the molecular structure of water is changing based on the nearest body of water. Right. And so, like, the woman is made up of water. The baby is in water. The baby is made up of water. There's water within the baby as well. And so they start to attune to the mother's molecular structure and her frequency. You know, that's just the way that it works with water. And so there are so many systems in place. There's so many elements happening all the time that like when we start to think, like, oh, and, you know, did I take my prenatal today? It's like that is like kind of irrelevant, you know? Mm. Um that's yeah. So, yeah. I completely
0: understand. And like obviously that that's an extreme example. But like sure. in in general, like is this a lot of pressure on a woman to be so perfectly psychically and emotionally clean before I even think about having a baby? Like how did like does that does that factor in at all? You know, like when's the perfect time to have a baby? when My environment's perfect, but I'm like, you know, I've done all my shadow work and I've done all the inner child healing, you know, like
2: <laughs> for me, it's like new level, new devil every day. Yeah. So I don't know about that. I don't think that there is like a state that we're trying to get to. Mm. I think it's in the receptivity the state of receptivity that we're in and the state of awareness that we are constantly in a new level, new devil situation and that we're available to transform. Mm-hmm. I think the yeah. availability to transform is actually what keeps us in the healthiest state and keeps our terrain in balance, you know, is the availability to transform. Yeah. Not so much being in the state of a realized transformation. And just knowing that it's going to continue to, to to unfold, it's the resistance to the transformation that creates the conflicts and creates the illnesses. You know,
1: yeah, and I think also too is like it's up to the individual to be like, okay, this is information. How can I take this in and not let it overwhelm me? And go, okay, cool. Like this is some new awarenesses that I have, and I'm going to do the best I can. And then life's life. You know, you know what I mean? There's there's things that we can't control. But what can we do to maybe make things easier or potentially easier? And, you know, this is where like ignorance isn't bliss, you know, in a sense where it's like people like this is where self-responsibility comes in. And this goes beyond just like we're talking about the topic of childbirth, just how to live a better life, how to be more empowered, how to have more knowledge. It's like are you going to let all the, the, the devils, all the all the evil things that are going on in the world, like you're just going to stick your head in the sand or face it head on heroically and go, okay, cool. Let's see what happens. I'm going to do what I can, but then I got to keep moving through and do things in life. And, you know, I don't have control over everything.
0: Yeah. yeah. One yeah. has to have their consciousness geared towards evolution, right? But when, when we can look at all our circumstances, everything that happens in our life as, as, Utility to evolve one's consciousness, um, then everything has its gifts and its benefits. But you know, it's a, it's a very painful process as well. Like for myself, like Alyssa and I weren't perfect when when Valley was born or when Naya was born, nor I'll be perfect now by any degree whatsoever. Right. But I can tell you, without a shadow of a without without a shadow of a doubt, our greatest healing and work has come about through the process of having children. You know, it's okay. forced all the shadows and demons out in our relationship to be addressed and to be dealt with. When you're right. on this path of conscious evolution, it's forced me to build a business, to become an entrepreneur. It's forced me to yeah. step into, you know, a level of being that I'd never thought I was cap- capable of um, pre being a father. Um, so yeah, it's what, what, what's what's the achievement of your awareness? Are you willing to take everything in, face the darkness, face the pain, and use that to evolve and to grow?
2: Yeah, and like you know, a simple question one could ask themselves if they want to start this point of inquiry. Right, it's like one of the, one of the main ones we talk about is like, why do I believe that I need the epidural? Like just as an example, right. Yep. Because, you know, women say, well, it's, you know, I don't want to feel pain. Why should I suffer? And I've been told that like birth is suffering and why would I want to put myself, th- myself through suffering? Right. And so I say, okay, um, you know, let's talk about holding discomfort in the body. You know, if, <laughs> what is our capacity to hold discomfort? Our capacity to hold discomfort is equal to our capacity to hold pleasure, right? So as much comfort as you, discomfort that you can hold, that's the amount of pleasure you can hold. It's like that. And so we start to do an exploration of what it means to hold things in the body. And then that's when they start to see like, oh, I just, and I, we do these processes together and like, oh, I just remembered like an event I had in adolescence that I haven't thought about in a really long time. And That was when I decided I didn't want to feel in my body anymore, you know, and it can be just like that, like it can happen in 20 minutes just to follow this line of inquiry as to like, what is behind this desire to check out for the birth, right? And it can open up this whole world and say like, oh, you know, I wanted to dig this in this into this, you know, into the dirt and never think about it again. But I guess this is an opportunity because if I don't do it now, it's going to come up when I have a daughter because she's going to be 12 when, you know. I was 12 and I had the event. And so I'm going to have to deal with it again eventually, you know, so there's, it never escapes you. And, yep. um, and if we look at this as the, the death of the maiden and the birth of the mother, right. Or like the, the death of like the knight, you know, birthing into the King, it's like, that's what this process can be for people. Um, but it is, there's a level of self-responsibility that has to be had. And, it's not as complicated as we think. It's not like you have to go into this like deep cave for many years and become a hermit to prepare yourself for this process. Like sometimes it's just, it can be like quick processing and acknowledgement of certain limiting beliefs, you know?
0: I don't believe there's any coincidence to the genders that are sent to us either. No, you know. I, I
2: agree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, you us, we had talked a little bit about free birth and, you know, like all the different options available to us. And I have found that like this conversation we're having right now about limiting beliefs and, you know, um, accepting owner, you know, taking ownership over, um, you know, what I would say is like divided will, um, really comes into play with a lot of the women I've worked with who free birthed you know, and for those of you who don't know what it is, it's really just a, an option for birthing where you don't have medical intervention. You're, it's like as low intervention as possible. Um, a lot of people choose to, you know, just labor at home or wherever they are, walk out into the woods, like you said, your friend did, um, and just let the process unfold naturally. Right. Um, but I have worked with a lot of women who say like, okay, I'm going to hire a midwife. Cause I really want a free birth, but there's like a part of me that wants to hire a midwife, just like in case something happens, maybe with the newborn. And so they have the midwife, like this is one example, you know, waiting in the car. So the midwife waits in her car and then the couple's in the house and she doesn't want to doula. She doesn't, doulas or interventions too. And, you know, I just like, I can't be at the hospital, not going there. There's no way, you know. Um, and the labor starts to unfold, you know, and um, the woman's feeling like, Okay. You know, like when is this really going to take off? Right. And this was an example of someone um, I worked with recently and kind of similar. There's many echoes of this story that of people I've worked with and you know, the woman start to, starts to feel a lack of being held, lack of support, um, starting to resent the midwife, like starting to resent the husband, starting to feel like, where is everybody? And like, why is this taking so long and not being able to hold this experience in her body? And, um, and then something happens in the labor, like maybe it stalls or maybe she doesn't dilate or maybe, um, you know, she starts bleeding. There's like some complication that arises and she goes to the hospital and like, she's greeted by this team of nurses who are like, Hey, we're your support team, you know? And suddenly the woman is like, oh, like there's people here holding me, you know? and dilates quickly labor progresses quickly baby's born you know and there's this like what I say it's like this divided will where it's like you wanted the support you wanted the attention you wanted that sensation of being held and there was something like cerebrally there was like this rejection of this system or of the support because you felt like you had to do it this way and so you just end up back in the arms of the thing that you've thought you were rejecting, you know, and I see this happen a lot. So I would say like, you know, preparing for the birth, you want to be really honest about what your needs are. And like, why, why do we need to make the hospital wrong for the home birth to feel right? Or like, why do we need to make, why do we need to make the hospital wrong for like the free birth to feel right? Or like, why do we have to make anyone wrong in order to feel Right. (laughs) You know, because it's just another form of, of victim consciousness. And so I do see that a lot with free birth. Obviously, there's many successful free births, but I find that there's often this divided will um that comes up. And that that rejection of the system, the rejection of the conventional model is kind of like the other side of the same coin of someone who goes like into the polar opposite of like no intervention, no support, just me. Like, I don't need anyone. And it's like, well, women don't really birth alone. They never have, you know? So what is this idea that like, you're supposed to be alone somewhere, you know, that's not how we're built. So.
1: Yeah. yeah. And again, I think we just, this conversation keeps coming back to again, the consciousness in the psychology like you can be presented with these ideas and attached to them and go this is what i'm going to do but yet there's something else simmering underneath other parts of you that want other stuff. Like even like example you gave, there's a part of a woman that wanted to be supported, but didn't have access to it and was just operating from this place of, no, I, I did this thing. I'm, I'm part of this group. I took this class. Again, I don't know this person, you know, uh, and so this is the decision I'm going to make and that's it. Now, it could work out. I mean, I know people where it has and it's it's gorgeous and beautiful. And yet there are other sides to the story as well.
2: Yeah. There's just another dimension to that world of free birth, you know? And I would say like, if you're considering it, it's like really evaluate why you're considering it. Like what about it is offering you everything that you need? And if you're feeling like you're doing it because there's a rejection of the other options, like this is an opportunity to explore the rejection of those other options. Right. If you're rejecting home birth and you have to be in a hospital, like what is, what's there, you know, there's always something there and whatever we reject, there's always something there. There's always a part of us that sees something in that model that is like deeply triggering, deeply upsetting, you know? So what is that part in us? And we have so many parts, you know, and it's infinite, really all the parts that exist within. And so, mm-hmm. yep, yeah.
1: yeah. Hmm. Where to go from here?
2: right yeah actually i
1: want to rewind real quickly you talked about men and women and having to revisit like their birth you know this what they've been through and and how they can go about like healing that so they can step more into you know who they're meant to be so they can evolve as, as a parent like what are some of those things that you find that men and women are faced with you know belief systems or personal life experiences like you know, I'll be open and honest right now. Like I, I've, I've never felt a calling to be a father. Um, and, uh, for whatever reason, uh, yes, I did have a traumatic birth, you know, it was super traumatic. Um, almost, I was told I almost died during the childbirth. I was in an incubator for a long time. I was a month premature, the The doctor told my mother not to breastfeed me and you know a whole bunch of other stuff, not to mention circumcision and all that. And so it's like, what are these things that you found with the the couples that you work with where that they've faced that they've dealt with that they've had to work through to to maybe take the the next step, you know?
2: yeah. I mean, there's like a lot there <laughs> you yeah. shared, you know, um I uh, I don't know if you're familiar with family constellation work, systemic
1: mm-hmm.
2: family constellation work, but um, I've been going to a lot of groups and representing there. And um, some people go back to the moment of their birth. I did that recently, like five months ago. I we constellated my the moment of my birth, you know, and it was really a next level experience. And I could go into it if you guys want to talk about it. But um, one of the one of the constellations. Yeah experienced um was similar with a man and he did not want to have kids and look like full disclosure no one like not everyone has to have kids like it's not yeah. like <laughs> you know it's so funny there's people who are like don't have kids and people are like oh why you're like oh it'll come or you know oh you know it's like no no it's okay like we're good i don't need the condolences but um <laughs>
1: your
0: SMS stinks forever
2: populated
1: <laughs> uh yeah totally that's it um no I I, I hear what you're saying and I am want, I'm happy that you touched on that and when I want to go back to what you were saying too but I I agree with you there it's like is the one formula the only formula to exist for human beings you know like like I used to think something was wrong with me um At times, I was like, "What's I don't understand." And then we, Sophie and I, we get a lot of projections on pe- from people that, like, you know, if anyone should have kids, it has to be you two for X, Y reasons. I'm like, "All right, okay, chill."
2: So I had that thought about you guys.
1: <laughs> okay, <laughs> so, okay, chill, <laughs> chill. You know, but like, you know, I'm not saying that I haven't had the thought, but like, just generally, I haven't. And not to bring make this about me, but I just want to share is like, is that I've always felt this within me, and then I've had like multiple astrology readings. And I've asked this question to these astrologers and they're like, yeah, it's not really part of your path in this lifetime. It was in a previous life, you know, I'm not saying that I need one of these people to like to like tell me how to live. But when you deeply feel something within yourself and then you get like something like an affirmation, whether it's through human design, whether it's through astrology, whether it's other systems, it's like another like, okay, okay, cool. Like this this resonates, this makes sense. Because, you know, we're human. We can sometimes be pulled in directions, you know. People project onto us and and societal pressures and familial pressures. And so to, to stay solid in who you are, you know, like takes a lot of strength. And sometimes we do need the support or the affirmation. Anyways, that was just a little side tangent, but you were in the middle of something.
2: <laughs> no, I could go off on that topic as far as like exterior validation with these sources and these modalities. Like, no, that's a whole thing, but I am um, I hear you. Um, well, in this particular constellation that I witnessed, um, he was asking that question. He was like, what, you know, my, my partner's giving me a deal breaker. Like she wants to have kids. And I just like, I'm not feeling it. Any like, I thought maybe I would, but it's, it really is not something that I want. And so he went back to like the, Few hours after the birth, and I thought of this because of what you shared just now with your story at your own birth. And he had a situation where he was separated from the mother. And the the whole time during the birth, the mother felt that the father was not available. Like the father was not going up to bat for her, like not protecting her, not gatekeeping during this birth experience. So that was like her experience she was having, right? Imparting it on the on the baby feeling abandoned by the father, like he wasn't stepping up. And then the baby was separated and alone for quite some time, like a few days. And he had these like memories and these kind of recalls of like wondering where the father was like, who's stepping in for me, who's protecting me, you know, and it wasn't the mother and it wasn't the father. And there was just this deep sense of abandonment. And so for him, there was this fear. He he, ac- he accessed this. He was like in the constellation. He was like, oh, I, I just like. I just believe that like somehow I will not show up for this child. Like I don't want to do that. I don't want to like impart that on my own child. Like something is going to happen where I'm not going to be able to show up. I'm not going to be able to protect it. And like I'll fail, you know? So there is this deep sense of failure that he had been living with, like on the subconscious level, you know, that like he was not going to be able to show up because he never saw anyone show up for him in the moment that seemed to matter most for him you know? So you know, I don't, I don't know, ever know, like, I don't know what happened to him after that, but there are certain experiences that we have that create this imprint, you know, and they dictate, they can dictate the way that we walk through the world and the projected delusions that we have that we impart on everybody around us, you know? And so he was able to access that and take ownership, you know, and felt relief where he was like, oh, I see it for what it is now. Like no one abandoned me. Like everybody was doing the best that they could. And like, I will do the best that I can and show up, you know? Um, So sometimes it's just that that switch that can be flipped on for people. And like we were just talking about, sometimes you just don't want to like, it's not your path, you know? Yeah. And,
1: And, And even though I say that, I'm always open to things shifting, you know, up until this point, I haven't had the the this strong inclination and I'm open to it shifting, you know? So we'll see.
2: Yeah. And like, there's something big here too, because, uh, you know, like in modern dating and the way that we get together with people, there is no like discussion of core values in the first few meetings, in the first few dates. People just like will connect. They will um, withhold in order not to lose love from the other person. So the other person doesn't lose interest. And it's almost just one version of themselves is available for the first few months. And then that other, you know, we get comfortable and these other parts of Mm -hmm. us start coming in. It turns out, hey, I never wanted kids. Oh, you did, you know, but now we're locked in. Now we're bonded. Now we're living together. Now we're sharing a bank account. You know, like we get into these complications and we're just never shown how to come together with someone else and to compare core values, because most of us don't even have core values, because our parents are not showing us a core value system. And so I think if we can kind of go back to that of like, what does it mean to come together with somebody? What does it mean to compare these these core values, these priorities, you know, and then see if we're a match? And if we're not, then like, goodbye, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, you hit the nail on the head there. And I think so many people don't know what they value because they've just taken on the values of, the culture of society of their parents and even just to have that conversation or even to know that that's a conversation to be had already brings you to a certain place of consciousness and this is a subject that I've had multiple conversations with with people around even just the subject of vaccines it's just like all of a sudden people are together for three, four, five, six, seven years, and then they get married and then they have a kid. And then it's like, oh no, they're. I don't feel, I'm not intuitively drawn to this. And then the other partner is like, no, fuck yeah, this is what we're doing. And you're like, whoa, this is, this is the potential for such conflict. You know, and I've I mean, seen I mean, like divorces and endings happen just on this subject alone.
2: Oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, and of course, things change, right? Like one, one, one person in that partnership can go through an evolution and suddenly their mind is, I mean, this happened a lot during the pandemic, right? Like some people woke up to certain realities and their partners were like, I'm not with you on that.
1: Yeah.
2: You know, deviation in the path. So like, it's possible that that can happen, right? But we can do the best that we can, um, in our adolescence or young adulthood accessing, core values. And like, you know, we need the guidance to do that. A lot of us just don't, but if we can access that and then we come together with people and we can compare and contrast and see where we go from there. Um, But we're just so afraid of losing love. You know, it's like, we just don't yeah. want to express like, you know, I've heard people say, oh, I'm not going to let them know. Like right now it's too soon. It's too, I'm like, it's never too soon to have this conversation, you know, like, it's never too soon that's how we used to do things now we don't really have a structure for for courtship and things like that and people yeah. are getting to this is.
0: we've we've lost touch with the reality that truth is love yeah you know the highest yeah. path is always what's true right. and that's that's the most loving path as well you know it's not about maintaining the passive comfortability of this connection between us it's what's fucking real because only by addressing what's real can either of us tap into our potential, you know, and do we, do we value potential? Do you value potential? Like to me, that's what I value most. Like what's possible, you know? Um, And I always know like it's truth. Yeah. And for me, it's always been a process of whatever it is. I'm just ripping that bandaid and see see where we land,
1: you know? You're You're either here for the truth or you're not
2: they're here for the truth or not. And like, you know, and when we come into partnership, it's like, you have to, you also have to be realistic and say, I'm here for this person. You should not enter the partnership. If there's anything about them that you want to change, right? Like you're taking them as they are. Right. And that's one element of it. The other element is loving and knowing that paths can deviate. Right. So you're loving without attachment. And that's something that is really challenging because a lot of us in order to feel safe, we have to control, you know, that's just the way that we have survived for so long. So yeah.
1: yeah. And even even if you start a relationship initially wanting to change a person, because I think most humans on some level, you know, when they're engaged in a partnership, they're like, well, yeah, you know, you could do that thing a little bit differently. Or maybe you can behave a little bit more like me in that situation, because of course I'm right. And it's like, Okay, but can you r- recognize that and can you move to a place of more acceptance of hey, there are things that I have there are qualities that I have, there are gifts that I have there are ways of beings that I um uh, show that are different and yes. can we honor each other in our differences and, and maybe learn from the differences too, you know, without this, like, no, you have to tick off all these licks, lists, these things on a list and, and achieve your, your potential future success now in the moment for me to love you. You know, it's,
2: I mean, all those things fine. are true. You know, the bottom line though, like the basic formula is like, if a woman, I'll speak for myself, right. I'm a woman. If the woman doesn't feel safe, like authentically safe. You have
0: your, do you have your woman card to prove you're a woman, Ayla?
2: Is that a thing now?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, no.
2: oh my God, don't get me started. So I, um, yeah, so, you know, if I authentically feel safe, I'm not going to need to reorganize him. Right. If a woman authentically feels safe, she's not going to be like, well, like in six months, I'll get him to start eating like this or, you know, telling him how to drive in traffic or, uh, you know, saying, hey, you know, you should do things like this or you should resolve it. Like that's then going into that dark mother energy that I mentioned earlier. So if a woman totally trusts the man's judgment, there's nothing she has to change about him.
1: People
2: are like, oh whoa, like I don't know if I can do that. Well, then you're not in a in a balanced partnership because if you trust him to lead you, then you can surrender and do your thing. And I know like there's so much stuff out there right now. I feel like it's oversaturated with like the masculine, feminine, like yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying, like on a basic level, I see it all the time in the birth space. I, I I work with so many couples, like that's the basic formula. If you truly trust him, then like there is nothing you need to change. And at the end of the day, men really don't want to change anything about their woman. They're like, I just want peace. <laughs> you
1: know? Yeah. And, and and again, like from a masculine standpoint, like each man needs to look in the mirror and go like, well, am I, am I doing the things for my partner to feel safe? And if not, how can I improve on that? You know, what about my behavior, um, is making my partner not feel safe or not trust me? You yeah know,
2: so. yes yeah we're we're so i'm working on a course right now with um an incredible somatic experiencing coach mm. um it should be out in the next three months um but it is all about it's for it's only for men so it's all about creating like the questions are um you know ever wonder drew- what makes you a leader? Like what makes a man a leader ever wonder what um, it would take for someone to feel safe around you. Right. And all it comes down to is the man being able to hold sensation in his body, right. Expand his capacity to hold sensation. And when he can do that, like the world can be falling apart around him, right. His wife can be in a swirl. She can be in hysteria and if he can continue to hold the sensation in his body and access his own safety she'll naturally just like power down but it's yeah. when he starts to mirror that hysteria or he storms out and's like i can't deal with you anymore when you get like this right that's when the woman it, it escalates and it starts to compound in the relationship you know like i like i don't feel safe with this man every time that i start to feel emotional he runs out the door you know, because there isn't a capacity to hold that. And so in the birth space, this becomes very important. It's such a good preparation for fatherhood because you have to be able, and and men are not given the, the, the opportunity to ever really learn this, but in the birth space, you have to be able to hold a lot in your body and not feel like you're suppressing or you're 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 stuffing it down. It's really just like, okay, I'm like this infinite being and I'm safe and I'm holding all of this. And I'm kind of alchemizing and letting some of it go. And no matter what happens, I'm never going to like let her down because I've got this and I've got her, you know, and that that only comes with really finding the safety in oneself. And when a man has an access that he can't provide that for anyone else.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I hear you there.
0: I think like finding safety in oneself is merely a matter of connection to one's own vulnerability.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Without
1: a doubt. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I find in my partnership with Sophie, like those moments when I, when I'm feeling grounded and I'm connected to who I am and if she's going through something and I don't need to try to fix it or tell her she's wrong or get super defensive, which can be my go to because of my own wounding, you know, Um, it's, um, it's pretty amazing how there's a settling in her. And then almost right after, like, you know, thanks for being sweet with me or thanks for being, you know present with me you know and it's just like okay just a reminder okay that that behavior elicited that response okay let's let's do more of that you know how does that feel because it really is very simple like a a woman I can only speak for my from my personal experience just wanting to be heard and wanting to feel safe and I, I most of the time where positive results happen I didn't do anything I was just there
2: just didn't leave the room
1: I just didn't leave the room. I didn't argue. I didn't try to make her wrong. I just was there. And yeah, there it, are, there and are circumstances that do
0: require leaving the room. Just, just as, a, as a caveat, there are circumstances which do a require leaving place. the room.
1: Well, yeah. well, yeah, and also, also, like sometimes you have to leave the room in order to keep you from doing something that you would regret later as well, and and for engaging in in some kind of argument. Like if you if you don't have the capacity. Sometimes, like I think you need to remove yourself from the situation process, do what you have to do, and then hopefully both partners can come back when they're a little bit more regulated and have a discussion on what went down, what the triggers were, and come to a new understanding. And I think the repair process is super, super important. And having that uh, somewhat quickly, but even if it's not quickly, can you come back together and can each party... Very often, because it takes two to tango, I would say most of the time take responsibility for their role in the interaction, and I think deeper bond and deeper connection happens when that can happen. That's just been my 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 example my, uh, my experience. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So.
1: But yeah, it's. I mean, I'm happy that you're doing this course, you know, and obviously um, I'm a fan of somatic experiencing. My wife and I went through that training. We've had Irene Lyon on the podcast twice with uh, Seth Lyon as well. And I love the work they're doing. Uh, We kind of went into parenting and the nervous system and, and in the previous episode we did, and it really is so important. You know, can you hold space for the discomfort? I mean, that's, that's one of the biggest things that I think that leads people to addictive behaviors is that they don't they're unable to sit with whatever the discomfort or the heavy intense sensation and it's like they turn immediately unconsciously for most people to the self-soothing mechanism whatever that is um to just not feel that level of sensation.
2: Oh yeah, we go into all of the like self-regulation, toxic self-regulation, right? Like vaping and porn. Like we go into like all the options available to us right and we talk about dysregulation too because a lot of people talk about like oh what the things to do to regulate but we don't often look at what is dysregulating us and sometimes it's just continuing to walk into the same situation or continuing to engage with the same person this happens in birth very often when a woman a woman becomes dysregulated every time she goes to her doctor's office for example or if it's a midwife you know and she doesn't She leaves there being like, well, you know, everything is fine. Like the results are fine. Like everything went well, but like doesn't actually acknowledge that there is a a dysregulation happening just by engaging with that human being, you know, and doesn't give herself the gift of finding a good co-regulator in her medical provider or a good co-regulator in like, you know, the team that she's electing you know and um that's why the blood, you know blood pressure goes up anxiety can happen and then she's getting these like inaccurate test results if she's getting tested for certain things in her pregnancy and it starts to create this whole like web right um but yeah I, I, it comes up in parenting too you know i see it all the time where it's like the child leaves the infancy stage and they start to individuate a little bit more and more and child is expressing vocally and, you know, parents are like, this is so loud. I I can't listen to this anymore. You know, turn it down. Like, and it's like, that child is now realizing like, oh, it's not safe to express. It's not like all these things that I wanted to say and all these sounds that I want to make. And like my diaphragm opening and closing is like really making the people around me uncomfortable. It's not safe to do that, you know? And then the parent doesn't remember that when they were a child trying to sing or express, that's what their you know parent was telling them because they didn't have the nervous system capacity to hold the sounds and to hold those expressions. And so we just continue to to recreate that pattern with our own children, you know. And then, oh my goodness, chaos ensues. This internal yeah. chaos.
0: It's, it's it's difficult to hold space when a toddler appears to be having an exorcism.
2: Oh yeah, totally. Especially (laughs) in the car when you're driving at night and you're alone in the car with like a toddler is like having an exorcism in the back seat, and it's like (laughs) turn on the Enya, you know, I'm like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I catch myself sometimes, you know, it's like I'm so sensitive to sound. Maybe I'm vaccine injured, I don't know. But um, I'm so sensitive to sound and it's like I, she'll she'll do these like high pitched tricks in the car she gets like excited and I'm like you know and I just start to notice like where it's landing in my body and it's like and she's so happy you know she's like looking out the window she's, you know she's looking at things and I'm like I can hold this for you. Like, let me give my little girl the gift because it wasn't being held for my little girl. So I'm going to give my little girl a gift and I'm going to hold this for you right now. And I'm going to like relish in your pleasure because I would have loved it when I was six years old if somebody relished in my pleasure with me.
1: Yeah, for
2: sure. So I often go to that space and I invite people to to just say, whatever I'm going to give this child right now, let's imagine that it's also the gift I'm giving my little girl who never got it or my little boy who never got it.
0: Yeah. What's the correlation between unresolved trauma and infertility?
2: Mm. Yeah, this is someone recently said to me, like, I don't understand how she eats McDonald's and doesn't exercise and she got pregnant on the first try. <laughs> right. Yep. I hear that a version of that a lot. Um, so one of the main <laughs> one of the main um pieces we've been working with um when it comes to infertility is sexual trauma. So there are a lot of dimensions um we can look at lineage you know trauma that's occurred in the maternal lineage for example trauma that occurred for the pregnant woman you know then she gave birth to a daughter and then that daughter can't get pregnant so there are many there are many entry points for infertility and um one of the biggest ones right now like i said is sexual trauma from a woman's own past you know and it doesn't have to be as like severe or dramatic as one might make it out to be. It could have be, it could have been um consistent, unwanted touch that was non-sexual, right? It could have been something that created um, you know, that that caused these kind of like gates to go up in all of the various energetic portals that a woman has in her body, right? It could have been something like that that also said it's not safe. You know, when you're touched, it's not safe. Um in order to in order to stay safe and in order to move through this world, we really have to shut down. We can't vocalize. We can't open this. And when we can't vocalize, you know, the cervix doesn't open. and there's so many energetic pathways that have been blocked. And so, um, you know, when we're looking at infertility, I invite women to like take a step back from considering freezing eggs, considering IVF tra- treatments, considering, like, trying another diet or going on this like program. And I consider to consider, I asked her to consider to start looking at the trajectory of safety. Like what we are just talking about, right? Like where is she accessing safety and does she feel safe in her partnership? Right. Does she really feel that this person is going to step up for her? Is there really containment there? Um, does she feel safe in getting pregnant? Will she lose her job if she feels safe? if she gets pregnant, right? Is there safety financially for her? Like start to recognize where safety is compromised and where safety exists. And if it's not really available to you, if you become pregnant, then the body is going to just naturally reject the pregnancy. It's not going to happen. Um, and so then we also look at the elements of, you know, touch that occurred throughout life, you know one's lifespan. Um, we look at the possibility that the current, relationship that you're in, is not offering you what you need. And so there's a checklist really to go down. And most people after like assessing one or two of these things start to find something there. And then they go on this path of self-inquiry and family constellation, German medicine, there are so many modalities that can assist us and guide us in this process. We're not meant to do it alone. Like healing doesn't often happen in a vacuum. Like there are modalities that we can call upon that give us the empowerment to then take responsibility and start taking action. Right. And so um, it's not age, right? A lot of people think that fertility has a lot to do with age. We know now in the last 15 years that women don't ever stop producing eggs. And you do not have a finite number of eggs when you're born. You continue to produce eggs throughout your lifetime. You're, co- you're continuing to produce eggs until you go into menopause and you no longer, you know, have a cycle and are bleeding, right? Is, so,
1: no, is that just another, is that another myth where it's like, oh, you're, you're at risk pregnancy because you're 42 years old, you know? Oh,
2: totally. Oh my God. Yeah. It's like when you enter your mid thirties, so be, like. Specifically, age thirty-six. Some people say age thirty-five is when you enter um, the ter- the territory of a geriatric pregnancy, and that's when you're like, well, you're going to have to come get an ultrasound every two weeks instead of every four weeks because you're high risk. And it's like, well, what's the risk? Well, you're just, you know, yesterday you were thirty-four, now you're thirty-five. And you're high risk, so it's um, it's like that. And if a woman can get pregnant and she holds the pregnancy. There is no issue with the birth itself. So you can be 44, you know, and you get pregnant and you have a great pregnancy. There's no issue with the birth itself because of your age. You know, I've said this many times. I've seen women, you know, in their early 20s get pregnant and they have difficult labors because, you know, they're not in shape. They're not eating well. There's a lot of psycho-emotional unbraiding to do that hasn't been done. And they have tumultuous labors and they're like 23 years old. You know, mm-hmm. so it's like, for me, the age is just this like trauma field that we're all participating in, you know, and even the most awake women that I've spoken to are like, you know, write me emails and they're like, you know, I know what you're going to say, but like, just wondering, you know, you think I should freeze my eggs, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, no, we've had this conversation, right? So it's, it's something it's insidious, you know, and it's on the mind of pretty much every woman that I know. Um And so no, age is not a factor. Um, Again, it's just the psycho-emotional terrain that we've touched on so many times here, like belief systems, limiting beliefs, um, partnership, safety, trauma, you know? Yeah,
1: Yeah, and it becomes this almost self-fulfilling prophecy where because of the story, because of like, oh, you can't, um, have a child after this age, or it's, it's, there's so many risks to it, then that story's in the mind. And then someone does get pregnant after 35, but because that story's there, that belief system's there, and potentially there is a complication, then it's like, see, look, there are more complications after age 35 too. You know what I mean? Like that, that can be the thing as well.
2: You were right. You know, your projection. Yeah, exactly. And you know, there is an entire industry right of IVF and you know the overlap with pharma. I mean, it's it's one and the same, right? They're cousins. Um, they benefit off of keeping the story alive, you know, as long as we can continue to show women that they are in deficit after their mid thirties and that they need us, like we've got, we've got it on lock, you know, and how do we do that? Like we continue to make films where like the couple's having a hard time getting pregnant because she's older or, you know, da, 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 and like the, the, the story is just perpetuated and it's in our consciousness. So it becomes real. So yeah. women you know, not conceiving and not holding a pregnancy, and it's because that's the belief system, you know
0: yeah the 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 proof in the pudding for this is like I know couples who really struggled to get pregnant for for many years and then they went the IVF route and they had an IVF child. But then for the second child, there's no issue whatsoever, yeah, in, in getting pregnant right because that that story is no longer there. It's like I can get pregnant. i had a I had a birth right. um and it's no no issue now, yeah.
2: I've seen that a lot too. That's interesting. interesting. You said that where it's like, Oh yeah. Like we've broken that belief, you know, yeah. there are some people who say it only happened because of IVF, you know, that's fine, but it it It, it um, often happens where they get pregnant, you know, accidentally the second time. Yeah. And they're like, Oh, I never thought this could happen. Wow. You know, yeah. sometimes they just need to feel the sensation of what it is to conceive and, and be pregnant in birth to know that their body is not broken, you know? yeah there's so much around infertility and um and i've seen women not able to conceive after having a very traumatic birth traumatic pregnancy um miscarriage abortion uh that creates issues with infertility later not because of like you know they might say oh there's scar tissue or there's like something like that from the procedure that was done and no there is like you know i got i got a call today from a client who you know she had a stillbirth with twins <clears throat> last year and she said to me I don't want to get pregnant again because I do not want this to happen again. And like, I would love so much to have another baby, but I simply do not want to relive what I lived, you know? And she's honest about it and it's inner consciousness and she knows, but there are so many women who have miscarried or had abortions or stillbirths and it's like buried deep within. And they're just like, no, I'm trying to get pregnant and we're having a hard time, but we're gonna keep going at it. And it's like, have you grieved yet? Mm. Have you grieved yet? Even, even abortions, like, have you grieved that yet? As much as, like, you were conscious for that and it was a decision, like, grief is still in order, you know, for whatever reason. Some people have to abort ectopic pregnancies because it could actually kill the mother and the baby, you know. It's not, it's not possible, it's not viable to have an ectopic pregnancy, and so they have to do a procedure, and there's so much grief around that. You know, so there's a trauma field there, and and it's really important to address it. So that's one of the one of the big causes of infertility that I see is just not not holding a grieving process for certain yeah. events previously,
0: even like more generally, like that we don't really, like. I mean, I'm obviously I'm not a woman, but from what I can observe, like it appears as though you know there's a resistance to process the birth itself. You know yeah. what actually took place
2: there's a resistance to birthing in itself, just the the marathon of it, the, mm. the labor process you're saying.
0: No processing your one's own birth experience.
2: Yes, 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 no? yes. Oh, there's a total resistance to it. I mean, Oh yeah. I think, um, you know, there's, there's a resistance to processing the moment we were actually born. And then there's a, yeah. there's a resistance to, you know, talking about the experience we had, you know, and yeah. like, been birth processing sessions with women in their sixties who were like, you know, I birthed 30 years ago and like, there's just something not sitting right with me still. And I want to talk about it, you know, and I was not ready to talk about it until now. Like I came across info or I saw a photo or, you know, I get triggered every time people are talking about how great their birth was. And I don't want to feel like that, you know, I don't oh, want to yeah. die. After <laughs> and yeah. so we talk about it and they realize like, oh, wow. I was duped, you know, and but I'm angry. The, the,
0: the guilt also, where like I could have done things differently, I could have done things better, I could have made different decisions. You know, that's that's a big barrier as well.
2: Yeah, I could have made different decisions, and that's where we we also have to trust that there is like a greater divine plan that is for us, right? It's for us. It's for our expansion. It's for our learning. Yeah. And why can't we trust that that child intelligently? Chose to be born that way for their own life's process. Yeah. You know, for their own journey. Like, 100%. You know,
0: you know, what's the that karmic blueprint is vital, you know, that holds gifts when we finally get to that and address that. Um, but it's, it's, it's that fine line, you know, between, you know, awareness, but also acceptance.
2: Acceptance and getting excited about the wound alchemy that can happen. Mm. Start to process this experience. I mean, I've had a host of experiences where I'm like, "Well, oh, I wish I could have done that differently," <laughs> or "Wish it would have unfolded." You know, and really quickly, I'm like, "Oh, I've, I'm alchemizing this." You know, like this wound has become a gift, and now, yeah. like this, this and this person are all benefiting from this. You know, and everyone has the opportunity to do that. Everyone, yeah, everyone. yeah.
0: I've been, I've been beginning to become become curious about my own birth only recently because. The the story which I've been told forever just it was such a rush. Like apparently, like my head popped out in the car on the way and like there was a whole bus full full of children finishing school that were watching and like everything just rush, rush, rush. Like actually, I feel
1: rushed my entire life. Come to think of it. Explains everything. It explains everything. I never knew this about you, bro. Now I know. I have more compassion for you.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All this time together and you had never talked birth stories? Wow.
1: Legit, I mean, everything besides quickly. circumcision, we've talked about circumcision plenty of times, but not that. Yeah. Thank you, bro. Thank you for trusting, uh, trusting us in this moment and sharing that. Well, I feel yeah. safe. Yeah, yeah. No, anyways, I, I keep going with what you're saying, but.
2: Oh, I don't know. Now I want to know all about his birth story.
1: <laughs> That's what I mean. I was saying to Joel, keep going. I know I, I jumped in and like cracked a joke, but you know. No, I think thanks for hijacking
0: my very sentimental moment, Erasmus. That's all right. <laughs> that's that, that, that's pretty much where i'm at that's that's where I that's what i know of it you know like i don't know what can what, what can i say yeah i don't know where that thread was going
1: <laughs> well no but but you bring you bring up a point yeah. i can't tell you how attached i am to the story like i've heard it however many times growing up like yeah. i almost I, I wasn't getting nutrition in the womb for some reason my mom couldn't feel me and then my uncle from greece was staying with them and she she he rushed my mom to the hospital and then they had an emergency C-section to get me out so I can survive, you know.
0: Yeah, great. Make, like, make make it about you.
1: No, I'm just saying, yes, I am. I'm making it about <laughs> me. We're bouncing off stories of each other, but it's just like, but even then, like for me, it's very even cerebral. Yes, yeah, I've done is. some work on it, you know, but even then it's it's hard. Like I, I know yeah. I had an experience in my life where it was like there's this deep, deep vulnerability and almost like hunger. Like I, I wasn't, I couldn't even talk. Like I wasn't getting new nutrition or I'm I'm hungry for something or I need sustenance because, and like, I feel that way sometimes, you know? And I think, I think when you get to the root of a deep addiction sometimes it's that it's like, it's needing some level of connection or sustenance that you didn't get or safety, I guess. And you're searching for it. Um, But I don't know. It's it's like to go back to what I said is like the, it's still cerebral for me, you know, and I have, I mourned it. I mean, I've had, I've had experiences where I think like in different healing sessions where I've connected to it, but it still remains pretty like, Oh, well, yeah, this happened to me, you know, mm-hmm. I'm a victim, but
2: right. how do I
1: move beyond that? You know? I mean, I,
2: I mean, it's, haven't it's you ridiculous. like, haven't you seen that? Like the entire experience that you're offering the world now, like has everything to do with having lived yeah. that. Birth?
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, I, that's why I don't regret it because it's like, Uh, everything that's happened to me in my life and even all the early surgeries and the ear operations and the things that I had as a child, you know, I think on some level, like led me down this path, you know? Um, but yeah, it's interesting to think about. Mm.
2: Yeah. Um, there have been studies done that I should be posting soon, but, um, basically children who were not held right, who are not worn by their mothers, like in carriers regularly, were not receiving that oxytocin um, on a regular basis that they needed in order to feel safety and bonded, right? And so they're finding a correlation between babies who are often in strollers and contraptions not being held as much, or they go into daycare really early, like around three months, um, are more prone to addiction. Right. I mean, like it seems obvious, like it makes sense. Right. But it's like we don't we don't even realize that the that even when we're trying our our best, you know, and even when we have the baby with us, like the way that we're even present with them and engaging is yeah. also affecting them, you know, so it's 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 never ending, you know, like you could, a baby could have never been held and a baby could just be there next to you, but then you're not engaging. It's like, we're just a society that's not really set up to offer them what they need for that, that fulfillment, you know? And so that's why I'm just like, wear your baby and like, go on with your life. Do not complicate it. Just have them there with you as much as possible. You know, yeah. um, you don't get that time back.
1: Yeah. You really don't. Yeah, I tell I tell mothers just be like a kangaroo, you know, just have that have that have that baby close to you at all times, right? Joel, you're aware of kangaroos? That's where you come from. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I heard something about that in Australia. Is there like a season where they're like hunted and weeded out because of the, the kangaroos over- are
0: considered pests in Australia, okay. like massive like overgrowth. Wow. Yeah, yeah like the, yeah. but they're. We- Still, it's, like it's a common you know people like kangaroo steaks and stuff all the time like it's common
1: wow i didn't know that
2: i, I guess that. That's, gators. that's like gators here in florida
1: look at that they got a new bit of information they didn't know hmm. <laughs> <Amazing>. <laughs> yeah,
0: this is this is wow. this is the descent of you for the truth guys we had a good run 109 episodes <laughs> Yeah, I was talking about. it was
1: all about the kangaroos. How dare your bring up
2: kangaroos? Now,
0: now your is dismissing my birth story and talking about kangaroos.
2: Yes, I don't know what went wrong. I'm
1: actually uh, acknowledging your birth story, <laughs> you know, because you know, feeling rushed. You know, yeah. it's no, it's yeah. interesting experience.
2: In my um, in my constellation with my birth, I mean, I knew my birth story, but I got to relive it recently, and you know. I started developing this theory as like my own case study over the last 10 years of the women that I've worked with and talking about their birth stories. And I was, my mother medicated herself at the last minute, basically. It was like right before, maybe like an hour before I was born, she received a saddle block, which is like an old school epidural where they just directly inject the fentanyl into the, into the cerebral spinal fluid, rather than having the mother on a drip. the the epidural is like a threaded needle that goes into the cerebral spinal fluid and it's just like taped there and it's on a drip but these used to be just like single injections you'd get every hour or so and because of that um, I was pulled out with forceps which are these long metal clamps that kind of go around the baby's head and guide the baby out but really they get dragged out you know we get dragged out Yanked. Yeah. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of injury that can come with that as well in the upper cervical spine. But that's another topic. Um, So in this constellation, I saw very clearly that this, um, this desire, and I don't know, I mean, I think this is like a generational epidemic, but it's like this desire to give up when things become really challenging and not knowing what it is to really fight to be born not uh you know being being dragged out not really doing that myself you know um has definitely impacted my capacity to um stick with things you know in certain in certain aspects in my life and i started to kind of see this across the board with you know children who were dragged out rather than born on their own volition and the same thing
1: uh, with c section c section as well yeah yeah, yeah. I've had this exact conversation with people, and and have thought about that same thing that you said, and not going through the birth canal, not pushing through, not fighting through. Wow, yeah,
2: yeah, and it's not a fight, like you know, in in this negative sense. Mm-hmm. It's it's a really beautiful initiation of fighting for your life. You're fighting to be born, and it is the it is the process that gives you all of these markers to then have that quality you know, over the rest of your life, but it's like over the course of your life. And so I saw very, very clearly where that has impacted me. And, um, after experiencing that in the constellation, it changed a lot. It started to reverberate out in the web that is my existence with people in my nuclear family. Even you know, because our belief systems are reverberating consistently into our nuclear, nuclear family, into our systemic family constellation. So when you do this work on yourself and you and you you take radical you know self responsibility, you're also giving that gift to the people around you. You know, so this isn't just like for your own yeah. process. This is like for your children and your you know your lineage after, you know, after you and before you.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah.
0: Like, how does someone go about doing that work? Like, that was, that was where I was going with it initially. Like, how does someone do that work? Like, is our, sure, you know, family constellation, sure, might be one option, you know, but.
2: Yeah, that's definitely one option, you know, and if that's not accessible, you know, to someone, there are lines of inquiry that you can pose for yourself, you know, questions like, When I think about birth, I feel, you know, what are all the things that you feel like on a really basic level, what's coming up for you? Mm -hmm. Um, I imagine partnership when I imagine parenting, when I imagine and you and you and you really do this kind of like limiting belief exercise where you first isolate what it is that you feel when you imagine these scenarios. um, And then you start to ask yourself, what would it look like if that wasn't the truth? Like, what would it actually look like for me if, Mm -hmm. you know? Earth wasn't hard. What would that mean for me? And what are the parts of me that want to believe it's hard? And what are the parts of me that want to know it's easy? And then we can start to do this, like what's parts work, right? Where yeah. we start to mm-hmm. access the different dimensions of ourselves that have different beliefs and give them a seat at the table. And you don't need anyone on the outside to guide you through this. You can just start saying, oh, there's a part of me that believes this. What does she need? What can I give her so that she stops like scratching at the door yeah. with mm-hmm. this belief system?
0: Opening the dialogue.
2: Yeah, just opening the dialogue with all the parts of yourself. Yeah. So that can be, you know, something that you do on your own. You don't have to like go to a facilitator. Yeah. Um,
0: your dreams too. You know, when, once you open that line of inquiry, what, what's happening in your dreams?
2: What's happening in your dreams, right? Simply asking, you know, show me what I need to see. Yeah. And, you know, whatever higher power that you associate with, just show me what I need to see about this. Yeah. And if you're paying attention, you'll start to see. Yeah. You know, it'll be shown to you. So. Well yeah hmm.
1: what's that Thank weird you, question uh. that we' were gonna, what what's the weird question we were gonna ask her to to end the end the talk now? um, yeah, I just really have been enjoying this conversation, and it's so important, really, because I know we touched on it earlier, but and it's corny to say, but the children are the future, you know, but they are they are. <laughs> you know, and, and I think individuals that can, can do the work that they need to do to be as healthy as they can, obviously not perfect. There is no perfect, but to help nurture and and bring, uh, regulated healthy children into the world is, is what's going to have an impact on, on society and how we move forward. So all this stuff is so important.
2: Yeah. And we have to not forget that like we, we don't get hyper-focused on just the child's experience. That's not what this is about. This is also like, focusing on our own experience and unbraiding that because that's going to naturally impact them. Like there's actually very little to do for them. (laughs) But if we start to unbraid this, then they just feel that and they fall into place around it. You know? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Self-healing is so, so important on so many levels.
2: Yeah.
0: Hmm. What would you like to leave our audience with? Um, any final message and also how can they contact you? You know, how can they discover and pull this thread deeper for themselves in terms of, you know, educating themselves further?
2: Yeah. I mean, I, there are various offerings on my website. Um, You know, courses, this course that's coming out for men, you know, and creating safety for yourself and for others around you. Um, There's the master class. And so I just encourage anyone who, you know, whether you want children, don't want children, you know, you're pregnant, not pregnant, At the time, like this course really gives you a deeper understanding. This journey gives you a deeper understanding into how we came to be and how birth plays a role in every area of our lives. And ultimately, are we practicing informed consent, you know, in our partnership, (laughs) you know, what does that mean? And in the world itself, you know, in the way we consume, like, are we practicing informed consent? So it's really like a beautiful um, deep dive into how to move through the world in a way that feels authentic and loyal you know to ourselves um and then of course i'm i'm on and off instagram from time to time <laughs> so i'm there you know and um i love connecting to people that way as well um and what i would say to everybody is like meet yourself where you are You know, and give all of these parts that we've been talking about, all these parts of yourself, a seat at the table. You know, there is no part that there's no hierarchy in our parts. All the parts have a completely valid and worthy expression and experience. So just give all those parts of yourself, you know, the shame, the pride, the grief, (laughs) you know, all of those parts, give them a seat at the table and see what they tell you, you know, and come into that wholeness. That's real self love, I think.
0: Couldn't agree more. I'd like to purchase one of those men's courses for your so I'll get in touch later.
1: Thank you. Thank you for the gift. I appreciate it. You're welcome, bro. Happy
2: to get you a promo code for that.
1: <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> Ayla,
0: thank you so much for this conversation. I really think we um, tackle things from a different perspective, um, which is nice. Um, and yeah, thank you for being who you are. Thank you for playing the role that you do. We honor you. We appreciate you. And to everyone that's listening, thanks for being here too. Wish you guys the best. Take care.
1: Take care, everybody. Smoke and mirrors, I'm seeing through the
0: illusion. Waking up in the time they think you're in a delusion. Somebody set the alarms because they be too busy snoozing. I'm in a DeLorean. Fast forward in evolution. So we'll place so we can share that confusion. Yeah, 450 BC. I'm sharing see with.